You have seven new voice messages. Hi, Maria. Hi. Hey. Hi. Hi. Hi, Maria. What are black holes made of? When did the last I'm tsunami hit Ireland? Does any of that matter? For a color ball sheet. How many scientists does it Why is there something rather than nothing? Welcome to Science Calling with me, Maria Delaney, and helping me stay sane. It's me, David Delaney. Later in the show, we'll be calling some science policy influencers about the new strategy for science, technology and innovation. We've also been busy and checked out what's on in the coming weeks, including InspireFest 2015. But first, why do research at all? I spoke to one PhD student about what got her hooked on academic life. People tend to think of museums as these kind of really comprehensive blocks of knowledge. I'm Rebecca O'Neill. I'm a PhD researcher with the School of Arts and New Media uh, with the University of Hull in the UK. But actually what you find is that they're entirely biased towards the people who work there. So if somebody works there for 30 years whose interest is limestone rock from different areas in Ireland, suddenly that part of the collection becomes massive, really well documented and gets published all over the place. But even though Rebecca worked in the Natural History Museum, it wasn't just the objects in the museum that inspired her. Uh, for me, it was really the stories of people behind them, because you could really see how their interests developed over time. And also, the, I wrote my master's thesis on institutional memory, so how objects in museums can contain traces of the people who worked with them. I got lured into the, the PhD through working in the Natural History Museum. Uh, I worked there in the National Museum of Ireland for five years during a cataloguing project. What came up an awful lot in conversation was how the word curation was changing, and in particular, how it angered um, people who would traditionally call themselves curators. So that's where my it initially started for me. The fact that festivals were being curated and plates of cheese were being curated. and So it was starting to take over words like editing or producing or collating even was being taken over by this particular word. Rebecca is doing her PhD on how people are coming together to organise knowledge online. The particular most example of that that I'm looking at and the most successful one is Wikipedia. Rather than referring to the users as editors or writers, I'm starting to call them curators. It turns out that museums aren't the only place that curators have an influence. Wikipedia has a huge gender imbalance and it's been referred to by the Wikimedia Foundation as the gender gap. And roughly only about 13% of editors on Wikipedia are women or identify as women. And this is seen as a massive problem because it then means that most of the people who are editing Wikipedia are tend to be white men between the age of about 20 and 30. The articles that are covered are skewed towards their interests. So you might have fantastic entries on you know, railway stations and different types of trains, but Irish women from the, the turn of the 20th century who were involved in kind of making science a formal profession in this country may not exist at all because they don't fall in the interest of that, that particular group. Again, working in the Natural History Museum, I came across a lot of these women and uh, having read the books by Wits and, and other organisations, I started 
that was my one woman crusade <laughs> which you will find there are women dotted across the world that, that they have their one little you know it might be feminist writers or uh, women in arts or you know women writers is another big thing that's what I spend my my spare hours and I've done I've run events to encourage people to come along to teach them how the the first steps to get involved in Wikipedia so that they can write about their little passion projects like I do. The tiger in the Natural History Museum was brought to Ireland by the reigning British monarch at the time. That's King George V back in 1913. So he donated this to the Natural History Museum. We couldn't let her go without asking her about the animals. It's mounted in a pose that you wouldn't really associate with tigers. It's cowering, like it's very low to the ground. It looks kind of, almost kind of anxious, the way it looks. Some people have interpreted that this is kind of a very imperialistic, being kind of symbolic of the relationship between Britain and India that had been brought to heel by the British government. When I was there, the specimens were being systematically cleaned. It was a company in Holland, actually, that would take away um, a truck and a trailer load of animals once a year and bring them back then during the same part of the year and then take the next lot away with them. So, so the, ty- the big cats, that case was emptied when I was there. You know that it's dead. You know that it's been dead for a really long time. But when you open up the case, there is, I suppose, a very primal part of your brain that goes, run run right now <laughs> and it's funny that it, none of the animals had that particular you know because most of them are relatively benign they're monkeys and, and, and kangaroos and, and deer and things like that but there was something about the big cats where there obviously was like part of your monkey brain or your lizard brain part that kind of went this is not something that you want to be around One of the more surreal moments that I had in the museum was when these were coming back and I was stood out on Marion on Marion Street. One of the Dutch guys just handed me a snow leopard. So I was stood there just just hold, hugging a snow leopard and I just had to walk into the museum. And that's one of my favourite memories of just kind of, because I love snow leopards. They're one of the ma- most amazing big cats. And just actually getting to hold one like that was quite a unique, unique experience. Pope PhD, what's that? So Pope PhD is three PhD students, 10 minutes to explain their work and 20 minutes for the public to ask questions. And what kind of topics are you going to be discussing? It can run from anything from the heart sciences all the way up to anything within the arts and humanities. So far we've had biologists, myself, digital curation and evolutionary biology. We are also open to people who are doing a postdoc, people who finished their PhD, who just want to present 10 minutes on, on what their work entailed. And also you get very specialised PhDs like PNG and PED, which are engineering and education. So ones that are more project-based as well. So the next event is the 6th of May, half six, in the Stag's Head on Dame Lane. Apart from Pope PhD, there's a good few events coming up in the next few weeks. And for this section, we're joined by Katie Delaney. Hi, Katie. Hey guys. All three of us went to the Science Gallery. They have an exhibit called Homesick. My favourite bit was there is this computer on the wall and you could... You get different parameters, so you change the chance of a planet having life or the chance of it being 
thousand years away and at the end it would tell you how many planets you could communicate with. I quite liked the section on on home composting. I thought that was pretty practical. There was a, a small chopping board installation that went into your kitchen. Directly underneath would be the bin and you'd drop your, the waste into the bin and worms would compost it there in your kitchen. So you have worms like in your kitchen. Yeah, it's a, it doesn't sound um, too appealing, but they explained that since it was aerated, you know, there wouldn't be any, any unwanted odours. The waste juice you could use to feed your plants, so... Mm. Very practical. <laughs> Adding deliciousness. Cool. Well, the homesick exhibition runs until the 19th of June, so make sure to check that out. So another event that Katie and I went to recently was the Moth. Had you been to it before? No, first time. So this is our first time going, and it's this event where basically people just go and put their names in a hat and tell a story. So you don't really know what exactly is coming up or who's going to tell the story, but it was actually it was really interesting. Yeah, because I mean every every month they give out a theme for the next talk. I think it's pretty cool because I know it's big in America. Obviously, it's come over from the states. Yeah, the stories are really good quality as well. Like I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect. Like people actually did have did have a lot of thought put into what they were saying. And what's so? What's you're going next week? It's two weeks separate. Two weeks. Yeah, and the, there's a moth coming up on the 18th of May, and the theme is adventure. There's also on the same day a new event, uh, Point of Science, which runs from the 18th to the 20th of May. It's actually, it's not only in Dublin, it's in other cities in Ireland as well, and there is different themes again, so you can go to biology, chemistry, physics, and there's lots of interesting talks, so check that out. I presume that's, that's in a pub. Yeah, it's in a pub. So there's a few different pubs every night. And finally, I went to the Inspire Fest launch and here's what happened. I'm Anne O'Dee. I'm the co-founder of Silicon Republic and currently the CEO. And I'm also the founder of a new event called Inspire Fest 2015. Yeah, there's a huge paradox in the STEM sectors at the moment. On the one hand, people are crying out for more talent. On the other hand, we're just not making it welcoming enough for women. The story that you don't often hear of is that women are also, there's a leaky pipeline and women are also leaving the technology industry quite early. But hopefully creating an annual event like this where we get people from Silicon Valley and Europe and Africa all in the room. Women, yes, 70%, but also 30% men who actually give a toss, you know, the people who actually care about changing the sector, who also don't want to be in a sector that is homogenous and white and male. Neve Scanlon, and I go to the Code Dojo in DCU. I went to the Aircom Junior Spider Awards on Monday, and I had entered my project in it. Uh, I, my project was an app called Recharge My eCar, and it won its category, Best Individual Project, and uh, the overall Grand Prix in my age group. My name is Kerry Howard. 
Um, I was reading um, a post-war report written by a senior male co-braver at Bletchley Park, and it's written in 1949, and he says, it's amazing what you can train women to do. <laughs> I'm very pleased that things have changed, but it's the, the element of surprise that's in that report that suggests that sort of how, just how far things have come. By looking back at the past, and exploring these women, it'll inspire the future. Neve and Kerry are just two of the speakers talking at Inspirefest on the 18th to the 20th of June. And it was great to hear Innie Kay play such lovely music at the launch. Science Calling is always really interested when it comes to science policy. So I really wanted to hear what Minister Damien English had to say about the new strategy for science, technology and innovation. Here he is at the recent InspireFest launch. Well, my view is that we have a couple of months now, I was hope to publish a strategy this year, uh, the summer is the plan, but that we have to make sure we involve everybody in that. There's been over 75 submissions on that, formal submissions. I welcome, I'll meet anybody that wants to discuss it as well, and any other submissions will be welcome as well. But the earlier we actually get them, the, more, the quicker we can go to work on them. Because there is issues there about, you know, do we have STEM, do we have STEAM, the involvement of art and design and so on. And I, in, my, in, my, in my view, when it comes to the whole debate about applied and basic research, we have to cover all the bases and all the content of research that we're doing, because you can't have applied research without basic research, and I have no doubt about that. The government currently has a policy of prioritisation where most of the research funding is spent on areas such as Communications Data analytics Medical devices Diagnostics Sustainable food production Smart cities And there's 14 areas in total. The big talk at the moment is that there's a new strategy being developed which Minister English hopes to publish later this year. So what does the community think? Well, I mean, there's no denying that the last five years have been pretty tough for everybody. And the current climate is not perhaps the best for fundamental research. About a thousand scientists have published an open letter to the government expressing disquiet about this. Luke Drury, I'm the director of the School of Cosmic Physics in the Dublin Institute for Advanced Studies. And up until a year ago, I was president of the Royal Irish Academy. By the way... That letter Professor Luke Drury mentioned was published in the Irish Times and was signed by hundreds of Irish scientists. They called on the government to reconsider their current policies. I mean, it's understandable that uh, a few years ago, when we were really in deep economic trouble, uh, that the government would say that they were going to prioritise research funding. But in my view, and in most scientists' view, this has gone far too far. I mean, we, we have an almost exclusive prioritization at the moment in a really rather narrow set of areas. and That is inevitably going to distort the entire third level system, the research structure, and if it continues, it, it will in fact fail. It, it's like trying to build a very tall tower without proper foundations. It'll just fall over. I mean, the, the word that everybody's using is balance, is rebalancing the system so that there's um, greater support for excellence in all kinds of science. Professor Peter Gallagher from Trinity College, Dublin. I, I would like to see that full spectrum supported. But also, I think excellent scientists should also be supported, irrespective of their field or whatever the national priority is at the moment. That will 
make us better placed to win in, say, the European Research Council Awards. We stand very closely beside the scientists in wishing to see a balance in where the research funding goes between the basic sciences and more applied focus. Avril Kennan, I'm the Head of Research and Advocacy with Deborah Ireland. In the case of rare diseases, that's probably particularly important because in many cases there's not a huge amount known about the biology of rare diseases. And so the research into them that will then underpin everything else towards therapies tends to be quite early phase. Let's be clear about it. I mean, the scientists are not asking, we'd obviously like more investment, but we're not really asking for more money. We're asking for the money that is currently being spent to be allocated a little bit more sensibly. So the phrase which is often used is a rebalancing. So we, we feel that far too much is going into certain narrow areas, more in fact in some cases than those areas can absorb, and other important areas, for example pure mathematics, are virtually starved of resources. So just a little bit of rebalancing would make an enormous difference. The debate is wider ranging than applied versus basic research, as other areas such as humanities and gender balance are affected by the strategy. Patrick O'Donovan, and I'm Professor of French in UCC, and I represent UCC on the Irish Humanities Alliance. There is something of a funding gap in that the universities themselves, which is where the overwhelming bulk of humanities research is carried out, have come under acute financial pressure. There's been, you know, reduction in overall capacity and also some reduction in kind of opportunities for early career researchers. So we think these are real challenges which must now be faced. And we would also support efforts to bring the base level for research funding in the humanities and indeed in the social sciences up to levels comparable with other small European countries. Dr. Marion Palmer, I'm Chair of Women in Technology and Science. Our uh, women's participation in science and technology is low. Senior academic posts uh, in STEM are overwhelmingly male. And women and men participate at different rates at re in, in research at all levels. This is a major opportunity to plan how science, technology and innovation will develop over the next number of years for Ireland. And women play and need to play a real role in that. Minister English says he wants to hear from the research community about this. And even though the deadline has passed officially, he still welcomes submissions. So time to have your say on where the money goes. That's all from us. For this, our first episode, thanks for listening. ScienceCalling.com has more information on events and topics that were on the show today. See you next time. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks. Have fun. You have listened to all messages.